Hey guys, welcome back. Chris Bercher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, and this is episode 74, Self-Compassion versus Self-Pity. A couple of things that have been on my mind lately. Uh, A little bit of housekeeping first. You may have noticed that uh, I've started releasing my R versus Should interview series where I talk to other people from... I'm trying to get a broad spectrum of sort of positions on where people are <laughs> on the R versus should spectrum and just just get a random assortment of people's thoughts on this. Uh, and it started a couple of weeks ago, or uh, it depends on when this is released, uh, the week before Thanksgiving, I guess, with Don Bates. So look for preview episodes on Tuesdays for my interview series, and then I'll release an interview episode on Thursday. Same format, podcast and YouTube video. So that makes uh, a lot something something going on every day of the week with knowledge plus experience equals wisdom, and it's all sort of centrally located on my blog at www.chrisbercher.com. You could subscribe to my podcast, you could subscribe to the YouTube series, but if you uh, subscribe to my email list, you'll get a notification when all this stuff comes out. So Monday is a flashback episode of an episode that aired a few months back. Just to remind you, there's a whole lot of back catalog. I mean, this is episode 74. I've done now 11 interview episodes, so there's 80-some things for you to absorb and think about. Then on Tuesday, there's a preview episode for the interview. On Wednesday, there's a preview episode for the new episode that comes out on Friday. Thursday, a new interview series will come out. uh, A new interview episode will come out. And Friday, a new solo episode will come out. I hope that makes sense. And the interviews will run probably through January of next year. We're getting close. But this week, I've sort of taken a turn in my own personal journey and arrived at this idea of self-compassion. And as I sort of study what self-compassion is, I mean, my real concern is that I figure out how to do it for myself. I just sort of realize that I don't do this very well. Uh, in fact, I do a lot of really bad things, and um, rather than do the you know, beat myself up or, or whatever, um, when I get in these situations, which I'll describe in more detail, I'm, I'm trying to pull the self-compassion tool out of the toolbox. But for better or worse, the way I am, I sort of need to understand this analytically. And what I've learned is I need to understand it analytically, and then I need to let it go and sort of just do it. Uh, and be it. So there's knowing and then there's doing. And hopefully all that will come out as I talk about these two concepts. So um, generally speaking, self-compassion is a good thing, I think, and self-pity is a bad thing. And so the first thing I sort of want to do, which I've been trying to do every episode now, is just um, look at what what we what the status quo thinking is on these words. And, and by doing that, I consult the dictionary. And as you know, I believe a dictionary is a dynamic collection of what we think words mean, not necessarily what they do mean, but what's important is our vernacular and how we talk about this. So from the perspective of self, now (laughs) there's no dictionary definition that's going to nail what self is. Most psychologists don't really know what self is. You can't capture it. You can't measure it. You can't find it. Uh, But we know it's some element of our personality. And what Merriam-Webster says, a couple different things. One, it's an individual's character or behavior that uh, it's a a union of elements like your body, emotions, uh, thoughts, sensations that constitute an individuality or identity of a person. It's uh, uh, a personal interest or advantage. Uh, It's the entire person uh, or it's a material part of an individual organism. All that stuff doesn't really mean a whole lot of, uh, of anything, but 
a couple of things come out of there that are commonalities, and that is one is an individual, right? A self is something that we have individually. And, you know, if you could argue that animals have it, that an individual animal has. I mean, it, it goes along with sort of the biological levels of organization, right? These packages of materials, cells, tissues, organs that make up what we call an individual ha- can have access to this thing we call self. Whether it's made up, whether it's an illusion, whether it's an idea, it doesn't matter so much, but it's sort of what describes who you are. And if I could pull in a little bit of what I know about psychology, I would argue that um, there are elements that are unique to you and define whatever uh, we would call like a personality. So that's really vague. It really shows my lack of understanding, but I would rather leave it undefined. We have an idea of what self is. They're all going to be different. There may be some commonalities. It's a difficult thing to communicate because we don't define it in the same way, but it is something that's unique to you and your individuality. So it's, it's compassion for you. I mean, if you want to think about it like that or pity directed at yourself, <laughs> I can't, we can't get around these definitions. Now, compassion is defined as a feeling of wanting to help someone who's sick or hungry or in trouble. That's pretty cool. And pity is a little bit different. It's like a it's a sorrow. It's a it's a it's a sympathetic sorrow for someone that's suffering, distressed, or unhappy. That's kind of weird because those two definitions aren't that far apart. And so this complicates the whole thing. And I think what we'll find is these definitions don't really work for us. It's sort of like porn. You know the difference between compassion and pity, right? Because pity is sort of self-indulgent. It's masturbatory. It's, it's too much. It's grotesque. It's, it's, um, it's dramatic, right? Whereas compassion is healthy. So if we had to define the terms, it's sort of like maybe this thing is, is um, we could redefine both of these things in a new context that would say this is a, an active form of love directed at an individual from the individual, either in a healthy way or in an unhealthy way, right? One could argue that Jeffrey Dahmer was, was getting his needs met or being self-compassionate or loving himself by allowing himself to eat people. I'm not going to support that argument, but it's one that could be made. But, but I think the vast majority of people, a jury of his peers, would decide that, well, that, that's a little it's dramatic, it's overindulgent, and it's, it's grotesque, and it's, it's sickening or whatever. It's, it's wrong. It's evil. And so that's, that's how we're going to have to define this is, is uh, which may be which may differ depending on your individual um, wants and needs and um, what you, uh, sort of norms and rules. But for the most part, I think those are, we're going to have a lot more in common than we have different. Now, Dr. Kristen Neff is 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 credited with sort of putting the you know, writing the book on self compassion. I'll put some links about all this stuff in the blog post. And if you want to know more about self-compassion, you can go to her and by reading her definitions and her prescriptions for how to do this for yourself, you're going to learn a lot more about, about what she thinks it is. And she knows a lot more about this than me. My point is to talk about using this as a, as a, in the context of the R versus should problem and the way that we treat ourselves to, to, to sort of substitute um, maybe substitute self-compassion for self-pity and sort of learn to recognize when you're in a situation that's negative and try to replace it with something in positive and that positive thing being self-compassion. And my story, just as an example, and I think this will 
apply universally maybe to people who experience the exact same things, but there's probably a whole lot more experiences that could go into this box for which self-compassion is um, an equivalently valuable potential solution. I tend to beat myself up, right? You want to use those words to beat myself up. I tend to suffer from the I'm not good enough struggle, which many people have said, including Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. in his new book, um, Mastery of Self, uh, that just came out. That's sort of following a line along the four agreements. Many psychologists and people in the know will tell you that most the most common complaint or struggle that humans have is the I'm not good enough syndrome. And so hopefully this, this applies to some of you. But I also I think it applies to, um, you know, other things that, that I tend to do to my, you know, I, the beating yourself up thing is not just about I'm not good enough. Sometimes I sort of struggle with there's something wrong with me. I get into a situation where I feel like I've screwed up and it seems final. It seems catastrophic. And in CBT, we'll refer to this as sort of all or none thinking, catastrophic thinking, the mind reading. There's many elements of the CBT type um, things that we do to ourselves that would also fit under this umbrella. But for now, let's just sort of call it beating ourselves up or suffering from um, I'm not good enough syndrome. One of the first things you'll notice, that certainly I noticed, is this sort of happens automatically. And as I've talked about before, this automaticness tends to come from the ingrained habit that this type of thinking is, that we have these belief systems that we learned when we were younger that we've applied over and over again because at some point they helped us positively, but very rarely does that happen in our adult lives. And in fact, these, these sort of strategies, these belief systems and the behaviors that they represent can actually sort of backfire for us. And oftentimes, they're not the right solution for adult in a similar situation. For example, if you were bullied as a kid by three huge dudes on the playground and you're a small kid that's four years younger than them, you probably don't want to be assertive and <laughs> identify your boundaries and fight back. Or, or maybe you do, but that may get you in a hurt. Now, when you're adult and maybe the car mechanic is telling you that you need more work done in your car and it's going to cost more money than you than you think and you don't believe that or you want a second opinion, you may you know put up some boundaries and push back and say, well, I'm going to get a second opinion, right? Instead of sort of backing down or running away or whatever it is that you did to alleviate the stress of being in a I'm not good enough situation. Uh, maybe you actually are good enough to not have to overpay for car repairs. Maybe that's not the best example, but hopefully you get what I mean. Um, and so so these the, pr- the problem is when we go to implement well, a belief system, along with that comes the feeling that we felt. It remind, it's a reminder of how we felt in the situation at its origin. And those feelings are generally pretty cruddy because think about it. You're a 5, 6, 7, 8, 13, 15, 20-year-old that doesn't have enough education, information, and experience to understand what's going on. And so we make a decision about what's going on that's almost assuredly 100% inaccurate. But we make that decision so that we can then make a, make a, choose a strategy and come up with a strategy for getting out of it and alleviating the pain or the danger, right? And one of the things that we do is in the lack of knowledge, and I don't know why some people do this and other people don't do this. The best explanation I have is because we don't know and we panic. 
many of us make the decision that, well, there must be something wrong with me, right? These people are treating me poorly, and that they must know something I don't. They're pointing, they're, they're picking out something about me that is inappropriate, is not good enough, is, uh, is there something wrong with me, you know, whatever it is, and, and I have to figure out how to get out of this, um, so that I'm safe because I suffer from this malady. It's almost as if we're just sort of in the lack of information, in in the state of ignorance, sometimes we choose to define ourselves negatively as a result of whatever our experience is. I don't know why that happens. Maybe that's the interface upon which we should study. Uh, and so we come up with these things that help us get out of there. You know, my one example that's not, you know, fear and running away that I come up with a lot is comedians. Many comedians have a lot of self-esteem, let's call it self-esteem or or, or confidence or assertiveness issues, they've suffered greatly from the I'm not good enough, there's something wrong with me. And what they've done is learned how to be funny to get themselves out of that situation of feeling like that because people laughing with them at something they did is a positive feeling. And, they, and so that becomes their identity. It, be, it becomes inherent in their belief system. My job is to make people laugh. If I make people laugh, they'll like me. If I don't make people laugh, they won't love me. And, and, that, and that's sort of the end result of this I'm not good enough is sort of I'm not good enough and therefore nobody is going to love me. And that is the ultimate failure of humanness, right? I have no love. I am unsafe. How do I fix this? And so one of the ways we, we tend to fix this is sort of blame ourselves and then come up with a secondary strategy that, that creates an artificial value so that these people will actually like you, love you. And even if it's an illusion and a lie, you're creating this, this image, this illusion that you actually are good enough, even though you still don't feel like you're good enough, right? So maybe that's the, the state of this strategy is, is to figure out how to trick people into thinking you're good enough, even though you don't, still don't believe it, right? And so maybe that's part of why that these beliefs perpetuate um, is because you want to use them because they work. They seem to work. They seem to make people love you, make you feel safe as a result, and sort of lie your way. And, 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 and this has to do with authenticity and all, so many of these other things that we learn about in self-help. Now, what I'm saying is rather than beat ourselves up, there's a better way, right? Now, going back to what I said before about these habits being so ingrained and so automatic, and what you'll find at the very beginning of this process is you simply don't see it happening, right? This whole belief system and response and, 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 and uh, an inauthentic mask that we throw up to the world like this, these, these reactions that we have in a situation where we feel, feel scared or unloved or like there's something wrong with us or that we're not good enough, is this, this our, 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 our bodies, ourselves, will throw up this mask, this protective layer and say, hey, I'm funny, do a song and dance or whatever to get yourself out of that situation. It happens so fast you don't even see it happening. But the end result of that, while it may save you momentarily, of course that works less and less as you old, so it may not, as you age, it may not even save you anymore. But the end result of that is that you feel like you did when this first happened, that you're not good enough, that there's something wrong with you, that you're going to be unloved, and that you're unsafe. This is the end result. And this is why we need to fix it. Because too many of us walk around doing this. And then usually... Part of that is that we beat ourselves up about it. 
you know, oh man, I've embarrassed myself. Uh, people have pointed it out. I tried to implement a strategy. Of course, this is all happening in less than a second. And uh, just like I thought, I suck as a person and nobody loves me. and I'm not good enough. And, and why can't you just be good enough? And how come you have to do this? And why do you keep failing like this? So we, we add these layers onto it that makes it 10, 20, 50 times worse. And, you know, depression and anxiety result of sort of spending our time in this space. And it's almost like, you know, you're... You're tumbling around in the deep part of the, 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 the rapid and you, just, you can't get out and you can't get up and catch a breath. This is what we're trying to avoid. <laughs> and that's a long way to go to define the scenario uh, that we need self-compassion for. And, and that's the trick. And so what I'll talk about in upcoming episodes, um, and I, I have been sort of talking about, and what self-help is all about and what Buddhism is all about and religion is all about, is to teach us techniques to learn to stop time, so to speak, and recognize when these things are happening. The awareness of how we work and the cause and effect is power. And uh, as I, I heard this on a podcast recently, I can't believe, the, remember the person who said it, but hopefully I will, and I'll put it in the show notes. There's a stimulus and a response. And what happens is there's no space. It's almost instantaneous. A stimulus happens, um, uh, something happens in your life that makes you feel scared or unloved or like embarrassed. And then a response happens. And this response are these old beliefs and these old masks and these things that you throw up to the world that you think are temporarily going to help, but they don't really help. Not only do they not help, but even if they help in the moment, you still end up beating yourself up and feeling like you're not good enough and that there's something wrong with you and that nobody loves you at the end. So it doesn't actually work in the long term. Maybe it gets you out of the situation in the short term, but then you still feel bad. And, um, and this, so what we want to do is buy ourselves a second between the stimulus and response. If we can start to recognize that something's happened to us, then we have the opportunity to choose how we're going to react to it. And our, right now, we only have one choice. We react in this old way that we always react and with the same old pattern and we're stuck in the same cycle. If we do the work through meditation and journaling and talk therapy and uh, mindfulness, um, and, and all of these other things that we've talked about on this podcast and that you listen to on other podcasts and you read about, you build good habits and you change your beliefs. Now we buy ourselves the opportunity to go, hey, I have a choice. And the choice that I've realized we can make and what I'm trying to do, because I'm sort of at the moment where I realize I'm doing this to myself, but I really don't know what to do about it. I don't know how to stop it. I don't know how to get out of it. I can stop the time, and I buy, I've, bought, I've done the work to buy myself the, cho- the choice to think about it. But I don't really have a strategy. Um, but really, stopping is, is a huge, huge accomplishment. If it took me 10 years to do that, I'm okay with it because it's pretty amazing. Now, sometimes it happens automatically, and I miss it. But for the most part, if I'm doing the work, I can catch it. Now, I think the tool... This is my point of getting out of that is self-compassion, right? Because that's how you change. I have to change the belief. We have to change the belief that there's something wrong with us. And this is really hard for me because there might be something wrong with me. You know, a thing that happened to me recently, well, in my new career, is I have to manage contractors. My job depends on me 
having a crew and team of plumbers and electricians and carpenters and general contractors who can help me manage the properties that I have because I can't do it all myself. Some of it's just above my skill level. Some of it happens at the same time. I can't be in three places at the same time. I need people that I can trust to go and do work. Now, the problem is lots of people need these people. Right, and if I and part of my job is to manage these people, and and I haven't been doing a very good job, and I've sort of just been sitting around in self pity, saying the world screwed up, this job sucks, I'm a bad person, you know, I, 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 I'm I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me, you know. This whole s- s- cycle of terrible terrible thinking, which is which it leads, you know, the more I do it, the worse it gets, and that leads to anxiety and depression. Now I've been able to catch myself and realize what's happening. And the first thing that the one thing that I'm trying to do now is the first thing I had to do was be compassionate with myself and say, look, dude, you may have failed, but you're not a failure. Right? This doesn't define you. This isn't permanent. This is a temporary thing. And it might happen again and again and again and again, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. Everybody fails at stuff. Because if they didn't, they'd always be good at everything, and that's not real. And this is the hardest thing for me is I have a part of me that's afraid that if I don't strive for perfection, so perfectionism is another huge one that this applies to. If I don't be perfect then I'm not good enough. That I, The only way that around the I'm not good enough, uh, something wrong with me, is I have to be perfect. And that's an unrealistic expectation. And in fact, no other person is perfect. And so I have to redefine my beliefs about the world, right? I look around and go, there's a guy over there who's a real estate investor, and he's perfect. He has a mastery of contractors, and all he has to do is snap his fingers, and he has the people doing whatever he wants as fast and as cheaply as possible, and way faster and way cheaper than I could ever do. And all of that, none of that, none of that is helpful. I'm realizing that just serves to feed the beating myself up beast, right? If if my goal is to be really good at treating myself poorly, I'm I'm pretty awesome at that. I may be perfect at that, but that isn't my goal. So instead of opening that door to a ridiculous amount of terribleness, how about stop for a minute and go, it's okay. You know, you can quit or you can try again. But you got to stop thinking these irrational thoughts because all they're doing is creating more trouble. And that in self-compassion is the doorway for that, I think. That's the first step. So the, well, the first step is to buy yourself the time to be able to recognize what's happening. And that has to do with awareness and perception. That's you know, the first thing you do when you, when you um, learn about personal growth and self-help. And then the next thing is, well... Stop beating yourself up. And the way to stop beating yourself up is to, is to be realistic about your thinking. And that's what self Maybe that's another element of self-compassion. It's a, it's a realistic love. Because it doesn't matter what anyone else says. You matter to you. And so even if you are a little bit screwed up or different or unusual or peculiar or weird, or I don't even, even know what that matters if you can't love yourself, who else is going to? And this is what people say. You go back to DJ Doran. Like, I think that was my second interview. And Paul Godola and many other people, Don Bates, who I interviewed last week, they will say, 
You have to love yourself first. And this is the mechanism, the first, the beginning, the birth of that possibility of loving yourself is self-compassion. Which is just to stop being so mean to yourself. Maybe that's the definition. And that then opens the door to say, you're okay. I'm okay. You're okay. You're okay. By definition, you have to, nobody's going to convince yourself of that. And this is, again, where I struggle big time because I'm looking at the, I'm looking for a scientific evidence-based line of reasoning that gets me to that point. And it doesn't exist. You, it's faith. You have to choose to say, you are good as you are, period. And, you know, the good religions in the world and the spiritual beliefs, they sort of begin with that tenet, right? Well, until you believe that, nothing's going to work. And I think self-compassion is the key. If you have thoughts like you're beating yourself up, if you have thoughts I'm not good enough or something wrong with me, no, no. Maybe there's some truth to that, but they're temporary. Like failing, like failing and being a failure are different things. You may have a problem, but you're not a problem, right? You may have um, um, a shortcoming, but you aren't, you know, uh, you, but you still matter as a person, right? These things don't define you. They're all elements. And I swear it goes under this umbrella of just being human. If you need, if you're like me and you need a scientific based line of reasoning to get there, well, think about it. Is everybody else perfect? Does everybody else do everything right all the time? Does everybody else only have good luck? I mean, again, with the CBT, th- these are these are these are beliefs that aren't these are not real. <laughs> you know, these are irrational things we tell ourselves. And so, again, the, the two steps here to take home: one is the work that we do with meditation and mindfulness and exercise and journaling and all these simple things that ever eating right, that getting good sleep. Those are all tools to build ourselves a choice between the stimulus and response of things that happen in our lives. And we have a choice when we have the time, when there's enough of a pause where we can actually implement a strategy. The first step is to give yourself a freaking break and, and choose to not beat yourself up and not choose to believe that there's something wrong with you, but to relax on that. Just don't do it. It's a not doing thing. All you really have to do is go, I'm not going to do this right now. And then... You've got the self-compassion. You've got the love to come in. And not the self-pity, because that's not going to help. You can't be like, well, the world's screwed up and it's everybody's out to get me. That's why. That, that, that leads you right back to the other side. That pathway leads to the same terrible feelings of I'm not good enough and there's something wrong with me. That's the difference between self-pity. Self-compassion will come in and help you learn to believe that like every other person and organism in the world that will live and has ever lived, that you are, I hate to say this, perfect in the sense that there's nothing wrong with you. There's not some inherent thing that you have that screws you up, that gives you some disadvantage um, in, in in a real soulful spiritual way. Now, unfortunately, we live in a world where there are elements of our appearance or belief systems or gender that can implement a false system. That's not what I'm talking about. That's for a whole nother level. We're talking about our us as individuals. You matter. You have value. And if you follow some of my other podcasts, like when I talk about the unique this imperative, it's critical that you figure out how to love yourself so that you can fully develop 
your purpose and meaning in this world because we need it. We need more people like you to help everyone as individuals do this so that we can emerge and start doing things at higher levels of organization like you know, governments and countries and all of those things. I feel like I talked more about sort of the causes of the problem than the solution to the problem in this episode. But if anything, that's because the solution is simple. It's just not very easy. And and actually, the solution is easy too. What's hard is undoing all of the problem of how we treat ourselves. But see if you can do this. See if you can um, get it to a position where you understand the logic of the steps. And as I develop the R versus should problem idea and some of these other things coming together, I promise eventually I will have a very simplified, several different versions of how a person works through these first um, iterations of of learning to live a, a different, more calm and peaceful life. I'm Chris Bercher. This has been Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, Episode 74, Self-Compassion versus Self-Pity. I'll see you guys next week. Take it easy.